0: You have to listen to them because I think a lot of people in this country, they don't, especially on the left, I I hate to single out the left for this, but I think they're really guilty of it. They don't realize that there's another point of view. They say, we tolerate everything, and then they're shocked to hear there's another point of view. Okay, we're
1: live again, and I've got Ben Shapiro's mortal enemy here, Michael Knowles. He's going to tell me, and this is going to be a controversial episode here why he thinks Donald Trump may be the savior of the United States. I feel like half the world would want to throw you off a cliff for saying that, and half the world loves you for saying that, or half the United States. So for those of you who don't know, Michael Knowles, actually not the moral, mortal enemy of Ben Shapiro. They work together. He's got a show on Daily Wire. He's also written this year what may be the most, mm. one of the most
0: highly sold Th- this- yet
1: nonsense books <coughs>
0: Because tell them about the book. Nonsense. It's not nonsense. This is my magnum opus. This was a labor of love (laughs) that I spent. I wrote a book, uh, or I didn't quite write, but I published a book called Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide that is about 10 chapters, uh, about 260 pages that are completely blank. Blank. 100% blank. Now, the— it So was, you couldn't think of one reason to vote Democrat. Well, I did a lot of research, you know. I mean, I read a lot of books. I did a lot of studying. I realized there aren't any reasons. And so—but then I had uh, Ben, who was just on. Ben blurbed it and called it very thorough. Very and, thorough book. And then my book hit number one in the world for a week and a half, a number of all books. And then— uh, Dear Leader, President Trump, endorsed it and said it was a, a very good book for your reading enjoyment. So, after Did that, that spike sales it, to have Donald Trump, the president of the United States, tweet about your book? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I guess the leader of the free world spiked up. It, it had already been at number one, and it was dropping down a little. And then you get that one Trump tweet, and that, that goes right Trump back to tweet. the top. And yeah, so as a result, you know, I do break from my pal Ben a little bit on this. I agree with him on a lot. He's a little less embracing of he the old Trump love train. Trump. He don't love him. I'm I'm pretty into the Kofefe. I'm I'm on the train. Somebody said, I like your hair dudes. Oh, thanks, man. Is that is that you and me? Is no, that- I think they're talking to you. Oh, right. <laughs> that you good taste. You All gotta- right, we we're gonna be taking a lot of questions because I know a lot of people. Uh someone
1: says, Why are you talking about Donald Trump? Donald Trump is one of the best presidents in history, without a doubt. I believe he has done a lot. All right, so we were here on Instagram live. Somebody's defending they love Trump. Tell us three reasons why somebody here, now, just to be clear, I'm pretty apolitical. I don't love, my basic take on it was there has to be two better candidates for the United States in a country of 330 million people than Donald Trump or Hillary, but that's for another conversation. I want to hear your opinion. What are three reasons people who currently don't like Donald Trump should change their mind and become a Trump
0: fan? It's very simple. The uh, consumer confidence index, the rate of increase in market growth, the uh, economic growth that Obama's own economists told us was impossible. We're now exceeding 3%. We're now exceeding predictions for Q3, Q4. I wasn't always a Trump guy. I actually did a TV commercial during the primaries for Ted Cruz. I was not a big Trump guy. He won me over. He totally won me over. Because obviously the economy is doing very well. I think that's what a lot of people care about. Some people say, is he playing 4D crazy chess or is he a complete idiot? I don't think it's either of those things. I think he's very good at the media and I think he's— fulfilling his promises. And we're so used to politicians talking out of one side and doing an absolutely different thing on the other that we we don't understand when a president says, I'm gonna appoint a originalist judge. He appoints an originalist judge. He says, I'm gonna defeat ISIS. He defeats ISIS militarily in 11 months. He says, I am gonna decrease regulations. He has the biggest slate of deregulation of any presidency in modern history. He actually shrunk the government this year. The federal bureaucracy, all those government agents that are working, doing God knows what, regulating us out of house and home, that, regu- that federal bureaucracy has decreased under President Trump. And the ones that look into your and my taxes, the people over at Treasury, the IRS, that has decreased the most. That's a, a loss of 7.5% in just one year. So less IRS agents, That's what you're saying? Yeah, and they're going to have to look into it because I don't know what I can write off with a blank book. I don't know how much uh, research I can write off. But overall, (laughs) this guy has been uh, very uh, able-bodied at the job. And, you know, when it comes to foreign policy, people say he's got his finger on the nuclear button. He's going to send us into war. He's managed foreign policy much better than Barack Obama, much better. He defeated ISIS very quickly. Barack Obama couldn't do that in six years. He has uh, handled the situation in North Korea ably. We aren't, we aren't in the brink of nuclear war. He, he forced North Korea to reopen a line of communication with South Korea. First time in two years that that was reopened. I, I think we're being respected again around the world. Barack Obama had a, a theory, as his strategy was called strategic patience, with North Korea. He had a strategy of leading from behind on Libya. You know a lot about leadership. Do you really lead from behind? Do you really lead by just waiting and not doing anything and not uh, exerting your influence on the world? I don't think so. So my job in this interview is to play
1: devil's advocate (laughs) because it'll make it more interesting. So like I said, I, I, I tend to believe that on a lot of things. First of all, I don't believe the mass media that doesn't necessarily make me a Trump lover or hater. I just think if you have a semblance of common sense, you can see that the media is chasing, They're ch- which is understandable, it's a business now. They're chasing you know clickbait titles and things like this. They're stretching things there. So in that sense, Trump's done very well because I think a lot of people go, I can't stand this. No one likes injustice in the sense, even if you don't like somebody, you don't want to see somebody, you want to see them disliked for the right reason. <laughs>
0: That's right, and, and you bring you it up. You want to see them
1: disliked for the right reason, yeah. You
0: bring it up. That I should have made that my number one reason why Americans should like Donald Trump. He cracked this corrupt news media that is peddling fake stories, that constantly tries to gin up division and controversy. He cracked that, and now alternative media platforms, new media platforms, this platform, has much more access to the market, much more credibility than someone like CNN. CNN had to retract multiple major stories this year. New York Times, same thing. I think uh, Donald Trump, by cracking that politically correct veneer, has really opened up conversation in America. It's, it's like easier to breathe almost, I think, in civil discourse. So on Devil's
1: Advocate, one of the things you brought up is the economy. So here's the thing I've seen with presidents, even before you know Obama and Trump, If something's bad in their presidency, they blame it on the guy before them. (laughs) If something's good in their presidency, they say it's because of them. Is there a possibility that some of the economic growth and these good indicators, could that be something Obama did four years ago? Or should we attribute this to the one year or so that Donald Trump has been in power.
0: Absolutely. Barack Obama gets some credit for having presided over a period of long market growth. The stock market's been growing since 2009. Donald Trump can't take credit for that because he came in in 2017. But we know from Barack Obama's own economists, they said this is the new normal, sub 3% economic growth. This is the new normal. Get used to it. You're not going to get 3% economic growth again what happened in 2017. We saw those predictions by his very economists broken. So that I'll give Donald Trump credit for. Consumer confidence, I think we've gotta give Donald Trump credit for that. Everyone predicted on November 8th, 2016, the stock market would crash, it would fall into chaos. None of that happened, the market has done very well. You have American companies bringing funds back from overseas, you have after tax reform came through, uh, companies giving bigger bonuses, announcing hiring more labor in the United States. All of those things you have to attribute to Donald Trump and to the Republicans who passed tax reform. All right, let's take some questions.
1: All right, one person likes your cardigan, one person doesn't. Okay, (laughs) it sounds like America. Story of my life, yeah. Somebody said they think you're living in a bubble.
0: All right, so they don't agree. Well, you know, I've lived in bubbles all my life, but they're always liberal bubbles. I lived in New York. I lived at a very liberal university. I live in LA. I wouldn't call this a very conservative bubble. Yeah, Los Angeles is definitely—Hollywood is definitely not uh,
1: pro-Donald Trump. Okay, it was Obama's strategy on ISIS that has brought this about. Okay, so somebody's saying that it was Obama—
0: should get the credit for defeating ISIS. Do you believe that's ludicrous? Well, Barack Obama had six years to do it, and uh, Donald Trump had one year to do it. Donald Trump said, I'm gonna empower generals to do what it takes to defeat ISIS militarily. Barack Obama couldn't do it for six years. Donald Trump did it within 11 months. Seems to me I'm gonna give Trump the credit. Plus, Barack Obama is directly responsible for the proliferation of ISIS, for the the Islamic caliphate in in the Levant in Iraq and Syria. How is he responsible Because he insisted on withdrawing our troops from Iraq without getting a status of forces agreement, without being able to secure the successes that we had had and that we had fought at a war for. So that now in retrospect, we can look back and say, oh, Iraq was a failure. But you can also look back and say it didn't have to be a failure. Barack Obama decided to pull those troops out. He decided to put more troops into Afghanistan for some reason. The vast majority of American deaths in Afghanistan occurred under Barack Obama's watch. When you assess uh, military policy in the Middle East, and you look at, it's very easy to blame George W. Bush, but some of the worst decisions, and and George W. Bush has some responsibility, but some of the worst decisions (laughs) of those wars were made by Barack Obama. And now that things have turned around for the better, I think you gotta give credit where credit's due, President Kofefe.
1: Okay, so let's do a quick speed round. I like the speed round. Last two centuries, we've had many presidents. Who's your
0: favorite, who's your least favorite? Three favorites, three least favorites. Three favorites, okay. Then I'll go, obviously, the classic example. You know, I've got kind of poofy hair. I'm an actor in Los Angeles. I've got to go with the Gipper. I've got to go with All Ronald Reagan. Ronald
1: Reagan. Okay. Ronald Reagan. You kind of look like a young. Let me find a picture of, <laughs> of young Ronald Reagan.
0: Well, well, Nancy, I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great I compliment. I appreciate it. So you've obviously got Reagan. Okay. Then I think you've got to go with Calvin Coolidge. He's, he's Calvin really the. Calvin Coolidge? Calvin Coolidge, baby. Oh, he was the My
1: last. My grandpa used to tell me he was the most corrupt president in history and took
0: Uh, and took bribes oh that's outrageous he he sounds like a roosevelt man yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) my grandpa was a democrat yeah i like coolidge was the last sort of really conservative president because he actually shrunk the government ronald reagan he lamented after leaving office he did all these wonderful things he won the cold war he was a tremendous president gave us a lot of uplift great economic growth he didn't shrink the government That's something all conservatives want to do. We just want to shrink the government, get it out of your lives, let you be more free. So he definitely gets it. And then even though he's not really a conservative like we think of conservatives today, he's actually kind of a progressive. He was the founder of progressivism. I got to go with Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. In the last century, I got to go with Teddy. If we go a little further, obviously Lincoln gets it or somebody like that. But Teddy Roosevelt, that guy was a bull moose. Yeah, I didn't agree with him on everything, but... That's a guy that goes and starts killing lions in Africa, charging up San Juan Hill. That's pretty good. One thing I think
1: interesting that presidents used to do um, and politicians used to do is send their own children to war. Mm. I think Teddy Roosevelt, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt that lost a couple of his own sons in World War I. Do you think, a little sidetrack there since you brought him up, do you think that Donald Trump or George W. Bush not being active in the military... I think Donald Trump, was it something about his foot or something? A doctor said he shouldn't be in, and George Bush going the route of George W. Bush going the route of the National Guard Air versus National Guard, yeah. Yeah, versus his father, who was shot down, war veteran, World War II, pretty brave guy.
0: Do you think that 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 speaks to
1: character or it's just an anomaly?
0: It's hard, I mean, George W. Bush did serve. He wasn't like a war hero like his father, floating on a raft in the Pacific, you know, third degree burns from the sun. I mean, that truly is a war hero. I think youngest pilot during that war, youngest American pilot. You know, it, it speaks to different times. Each generation has its own wars. Some don't quite have wars. And it speaks to culture. You know, I I say that I love Donald Trump. I'm really very pleased with his presidency. But when you, you know, he said the other day, he talked about Haiti, and he said the country, well, I'll just use the phrase, this isn't He called it a shithole. Yeah. According to certain Democrat sources, he said that they said that. If he said that, what do you think? How does that make you feel?
1: Well- Is that fair? Do you think that's unfair? Is it presidential to be calling
0: countries, you know, names? Well, you know, certainly, certainly- Things that are said in a private meeting, a lot of—everybody pre- says things in private. People say uh, LBJ had a filthy, dirty, rotten mouth in private, sometimes in public. Obviously, some countries are worse than others. Uh, you know, in, in Haiti, the poverty is so awful that uh, 80% of Haitians live on less than $2 a day. A quarter of Haitians live on less than a buck twenty-five a day, I think. Wow. Um, uh, they, they, it's, uh, very frequently mothers will have to feed their children cooked mud because there isn't any food. The, it, Haiti is a living hell. In every way, it's a living hell. Sexual assault is rampant. Murder is uh, obscenely high in Haiti. So obviously, it's a true statement. Haiti is a terrible place to be. That said, would I, would I prefer a president to come out and use more eloquent language, to speak like Ronald Reagan, to have the rhetorical skills of Abraham Lincoln? Of course. But we're in a degraded culture. We're not in the culture of the 1980s. We're not in the culture of the 1860s. We don't all sound like Abraham Lincoln who read Shakespeare. I know, and you George, read yeah. some
1: of these past, pres- we think we've gotten smarter in the modern world. <laughs> you read what they, just letters from common people to each Cowboys wrote better than politicians <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. I, school, Good old school system here. Let's produce people. I mean, so that's, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to talk about this. Is Donald Trump, a
0: reflection of us. Absolutely right. So very, sometimes people are blaming Trump. They say Trump is degrading the morality of our nation because he was on reality TV or he has multiple wives or blah, blah, whatever. Donald Trump is a reflection of our culture, right? He's a symptom. In, in representative democracies, very often we elect people to reflect us. We, elect, we see ourselves and we elect people to, to represent us yeah. in that way. Donald Trump in some ways helped create this culture. Donald Trump in most ways is a product of this culture that says something about the man in the mirror. If you don't like the culture around you, then behave differently. How many people, when they write, write like Abraham Lincoln or speak or hold the door for a lady or pick up the tab or go to church or educate themselves or read a lot or this or that or the other thing? Nobody does that. Most people don't do any of those things and then they yell at Donald Trump because he's a little crass. That's our culture. That's the culture you live in. And I don't think it's necessarily a cause for despair. We live in a not great culture in many ways, but a lot of things are going great. A lot of, there's a lot to be very pleased with. And if you accept reality in that way, a lot of people on on the left and even on the right, they become ideological. They say, so what if Donald Trump works in reality? Does he work in theory? I think that's abstracting way too much. There's a lot to be happy about. And if it's, if things are working well in this culture, Let's do that. We only have today. We only have today to have a little more freedom, to shrink the government a little bit, to keep a little bit more of your tax money, to have American influence abroad. If you get that in one day, that's a win. Now go do it again tomorrow. Do it again tomorrow.
1: I want to talk. Let's take some questions because I know they're coming in. Okay. Someone said, (laughs) Joe Finkerton on Twitter said, I'm not a huge fan of Trump. But my 401k is.
0: That is an interesting, very interesting Sounds quote. to me like you're about to become a fan of Trump, yeah. too.
1: <laughs> Janky Magoo said Trump is God with a dupe? Okay. He's like one of the lower ones, like yeah. Ball or some Moloch That's or something. Yeah, yeah. As I said, we no longer write like <laughs> Abraham it's Lincoln. Not quite uh, Lincoln-esque. Is it? Someone said, Proud Panther said, you can't even have a civil conversation. They're talking about people on here. Mm. Uh, they said Trump is a great president. All right, let's find somebody who doesn't. For those of you who hate Trump, but are also logical, I want to be able to bring cogent, logical conversation to this from somebody who takes the opposite
0: position. Uh, But Ty, I I think the people who hate Trump, there are a lot of reasons to hate Trump.
1: So I, that, I know other,
0: Let's start with you being the devil's advocate. What would you—if you were going to argue well the other side, what are you going to—what are you going to start with? What are you going to start uh, well, with? Okay, the things that I'm going to start with are the tweets. I'm going to say the tweets, they're so uncouth. We don't want our presidents tweeting naughty words like this, calling people names. Well, it, that would be the first thing I would say. Then, Does that actually bother you, though? Not in the least. Because okay. I— un- What's I, the
1: worst thing he's tweeted about somebody? What's the name? Is it Slippery Dan or one of these? Oh, what other the name he has?
0: There is a Dicky Durbin. He tweeted out today. That was one. Dicky Durbin. What but he
1: comments? no. What was the? What he has the name. No, but he has a, he He's has amazing. like blankety blank blank. <laughs> Crooked Hillary.
0: Crooked Hillary was one. Yeah, little Marco, low energy Jeb. Giant <laughs> <Yeah. Lion> Ted. <laughs> Chuck and Nancy. Uh, low energy Jeb. It just just has nails to be the it. greatest. <laughs> I could see a barroom brawl
1: between two guys <laughs> and they're like mad at each other. All right, low energy, Jeb. <laughs> Nobody calls me low It. This is a true story. I had this, I sell nightclubs. I got a the nightclub business in North Carolina. I had a club called Red Room. I ran the nightclub and it was a restaurant by day. And um, I had this bouncer who worked for me, who was, some of you have seen Rome on my Snapchat, big guy. This guy was about as strong as Rome. Bench press 550 pounds. Nothing really bothered him. People would call names. They'd be drunk one time. Um, I told this guy to leave and the guy wouldn't leave. I said, I got to bring my security. Fr- Franco came there and the guy turned to him and said, oh, so you brought your vulture. And for some reason, being called a vulture was the worst. Thing. He went crazy on the guy. Bang- he literally, he took the guy in a full Nelson and banged his head all the way across <laughs> And he was completely bloody. And when he got there, we had cops working outside and the cops did nothing. And the guy was like, you see my face? And, and Franco's like, he called me a vulture. And apparently, so, so so.
0: What was the one you just said? Oh, that's what, uh, that's low what Trump, energy Jeb yeah. is very
1: similar to Vulture Vicky or something.
0: That's what that's what Trump did to Jeb with his words. He just like bang against every wall, you know. Kinda, he kind of
1: destroyed
0: Jeb. He dude. killed Jeb. I mean, Jeb was. He said low energy Jeb was over, and that's why I don't really get so upset about the name calling or whatever. Obviously, these are great political tactics. You know, with other politicians, when they talk, you try to figure out. You say, okay, he said this but what is he, what is he really signaling what is he really with Trump it's like this blunt object that just smacks you against the wall and so even when he's being a little s- sneaky or political there's no guile to it you you really know what you're getting with that guy so 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 you, so you just appreciate the fact that what you see is what you get yeah and i think i think there are a lot of reasons not to like trump but i don't think they're rational I think it's all hysterics. The Trump-Russia collusion, even Van Jones admits that's nothing. Dianne Feinstein admits there's nothing there. Why is this still going on? If it's nothing, why is it going on so long? Because nothing else works. So they tried Russia, they just made that up and Hillary Clinton pushed that in her book. She blamed everybody from the Russians to James Comey to the Macedonians to like, I don't know, bad weather that day. So they wanted an excuse. And then they were gonna hit him on policy. But the trouble is he's been great on policy. Trouble is the economy is doing great. Trouble is foreign policy is looking great. So then they tried to hit him with the Me Too sexual assault stuff. None of that has stuck to him. There are old allegations. They tried to do a porn star one this week. That fell apart. She said it never happened. So now they have to go back to, to two things. This ridiculous Russia story that Donald Trump, a man we've known for 40 years in the public eye, is somehow a secret Manchurian puppet of Vladimir Putin or whatever. And then the other one is that he's crazy. Well, he's gotta be crazy. And i tell you, if Donald Trump is crazy, if he's just lucky, if he just keeps getting lucky, that's a good president right there. I want the luckiest guy in the world to be my president, too. Yeah, I would say, you know, here's my take on the Russian
1: thing. Like I said, I'm not as versed in politics as you, but I believe in common sense, which is no longer common. I don't think it's the absolute disaster that the president of the United States is friends with the president of probably one of our biggest potential threats and the threat to, that could bring about nuclear holocaust. I think it, people who like each other don't shoot missiles at each other as much. <laughs> so, I mean, the fact that I never was a fan of the policy that of past presidents where they wouldn't meet with people because they said it somehow uh, legitimizes them. Well, it also prevents wars. I mean, I think theoretically if Donald Trump could meet Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Little rocket man.
0: Little, rocket, be a little man. rocket
1: man. <laughs> yeah, well, <with> little <laughs> rocket man. All right, let's see if we've got one. Um, oh, here's the one. DJ Quinn Rayner on
0: YouTube says, what do you think about Oprah running for president? Would she get your vote? Win, free, and die. Win, free, and die. That's going to be the slogan for the Oprah campaign. Uh, she, I listened to that speech. Okay. Oprah, I, first of all, I think there's, there is a chance that Democrats nominate her. She's a billionaire. She's a self-funder. She's beloved. People think she's a god, basically. They worship right. her like a religion. Everything that she's said in her uh, career, these spiritual things, are a little kooky, like the secret. You know, she's pushing a lot of weird stuff. In her personal life, she has a lot of strange skeletons in her closet. But I, I think Trump would crush her. And I think the reason Trump would crush her is she's been beloved her whole life. People love Oprah. When was the last time someone said something bad about Oprah? All she does is give people cars out on television. Right. The minute that she gets into a race, even in the primaries, that a seasoned Democrat goes up against her, I think they're going to smush her. I think those negative ads start playing, she's going to go down like a house of cards. Whereas someone like Donald Trump, also a billionaire celebrity, in many ways very similar to Oprah, people have been taking shots at that guy since the 70s. He's okay. got a real thick skin. He knows how to get around it. He knows how to fight back. I think he would kill her. I think he's the much bigger threat would be uh, somebody like, I don't know, Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, a real, an actual politician. Yeah. That might pose a problem. Huh. Okay. I like that. Somebody said, are you on, are you Lori on <laughs> Avalon says Oprah will crush everybody.
1: Okay. Naomi Ortega. I live in El Paso, Texas. Man, these things are coming in. So fast, I lost it. I want, it. oh, I live in El Paso, Texas, which is considered one of the most dangerous cities in the world. So let's talk about Mexico, the wall. First of all, is this a, is it, let's not even talk about if the, the ethics and the logic behind a wall, is it practical? Can you build a wall? Because I saw someone earlier today said, you build a great wall, they build a great tunnel.
0: No, then we'll block up the tunnel. We sent a man to the moon. We won the Cold War. We, we defeated Hitler. I think we can build a relatively small wall. <laughs> you know, we can. We can. We already have a lot of fencing up across the border anyway. But it, it, the moral issue is important here because okay. people think, well, we're going to let illegal immigrants come across the border, and that's that's the compassionate thing to do. You're so hateful to not want illegal immigrants pouring across the border, a huge number. I think something upwards of forty percent of young women who cross the border are uh, sexually assaulted as they cross the border. Ton of drugs goes across the border, ton of crime comes across that border, destroys communities, destroys places like El Paso, Texas. What about our own people? Does a country have the right to define its own borders? Of course, a a huge number of Mexican immigrants who came here legally uh, strongly oppose illegal immigration because those people waited in line. They did what they're supposed to do. They followed the law. Whereas now you have this case where you have 11 million people who don't have legal status. You don't quite know. They're not really living in the shadows. Some of them pay taxes, some of them don't pay taxes. What's going to happen? How is that compassionate to those people? And uh, it's a huge strain on public schooling. It's a strain on social services. America's very good about bringing uh, immigrants over. Obviously, I think you come from every single immigrant group on the face of the earth. Almost Almost all of them. I come from a number of them, too. But you've got to be able to assimilate to America. Otherwise, otherwise not only are you and your family not going to benefit from the promise of America, but America itself will become less stable and less of a a shining light for the rest of the world. So one of the things that Donald Trump
1: did that I had mixed feelings about you know, you see these stories and I can't tell because as like I told you, I don't really trust the media. So I don't want to say this happened, but you it seems to be happening that people are being dragged out of, kids are being dragged out of school that have been here their whole life. Their parents weren't legal. They're being dragged and sent back to Mexico at 17 years old. I saw, I think, a handicapped person. Is there, should, is mercy, is this the place to start? Do we start by pulling handicapped kids out of school and sending them back to a country they've never been to? Is that a little—because I believe in justice, but, you, but in everything you have, justice also needs
0: mercy, of course. But the, pl- the plural of anecdote isn't data. So you hear these stories that come from maybe a little questionable provenance. We know that uh, the Trump administration has done a good job of deporting criminals. We know that the Obama administration deported a lot of people. So that story of the poor little kid in a wheelchair who's an orphan and this and that gets ripped out of school, that story just as easily fits during the Obama administration. But I think the Democrats' demagogue DACA, the so- obviously they do, they yeah. call them dreamers. Yeah. They, we went from illegal alien to illegal immigrant to future American to dreamer. I don't know what's next. Is like unicorns with lollipops in their hair or something. But uh, for these people, we're told that these are people who have three degrees from MIT and they're going to contribute to America. How stupid to send them home. But 50% of them have a very little uh, passing knowledge of English and a quarter of them are illiterate. Yeah. So we're not, we're not exactly, a lot of them are a drag on the economy, they're not earning very much, and they're not assimilating. Uh, who does it benefit for those people to stay in the United States? Does it benefit them? I don't see much argument for that. Does it benefit their local communities? Also, talk to our friend from El Paso. I don't see much argument for that. You need a, a strong regime, an immigration regime, rather. It's wow, probably not a good term. Yeah, yeah. You, you need, need a strong, strong regime, regime yeah, in the United States? States? No, but you need a strong immigration system. Regime, right. Yeah, and a strong system of immigration because we need to know who is here and how best to serve those people so that they don't get lost in the shadows or have some awful things happen to them if a family member commits a crime or they're deported or whatever. And also, we have to control chain migration and to anchor babies, two terms that are politically incorrect, but usually when something's politically incorrect, it it means that it's actually correct, right? But politically incorrect is just a way of trying to brush over reality so that things that probably aren't so great are easier to swallow, and I don't think anybody wants that.
1: Noel, do you have any questions? You or Andy, you want to ask? Of the great Michael Knowles? Of the (laughs) great Michael Knowles, not of me. We have Zach's dad
0: here, by the way, for those of you. Chelsea. Chelsea Manning, oh, our future senator. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Okay. Chelsea Manning might uh, run for the United States Senate. Okay. So Chelsea Manning, formerly known as Bradley Manning, was a a traitor who Mm -hmm. was arrested for uh, for for treason, right? For for uh, leaking secrets, and Barack Obama uh, pardoned. Okay. Pardoned him, and now he has undergone some sort of gender transformation procedures. Okay. And so now he goes by a woman. Uh, I, I have I have no problem with Chelsea Manning because he thinks he's a woman. I have no problem with Chelsea Manning because he wants to run for the United States Senate. I, I don't like that he's a traitor. I think probably if we've reached a point in our political culture where traitors are running for the United States Senate, we have something seriously wrong. And Donald Trump's tweets are not the biggest problem. So that was order. was
1: Obama's pardon not valid? Did was the pardon saying? no, this is somebody who
0: didn't do anything wrong, it wasn't treason? Well, you know, a pardon lets somebody off the hook for a crime. Yeah. So when there is an implication, if you accept a pardon, that you've done a crime. This was a big issue with Nixon, because he, accept, he accepted the pardon, but he didn't admit guilt. And they say, well, you're sort of admitting guilt. But uh, Barack Obama wanted to pardon Chelsea Manning, that's fine, a lot of people in his base, uh, the anti-war, anti-American uh, uh, strain of his base, really wanted Chelsea Manning to go free, That's fine, that's his prerogative as president, but I don't don't think that we should be rewarding these people. Treason is a real thing. I suppose you can be pardoned for it, but I don't think we should be rewarding them with a U.S. Senate seat. And I gotta tell you, Mitt Romney's gonna run for Senate. I'm a little lukewarm on that candidacy, but that guy's like Ronald Reagan compared to Chelsea Manning. I'll take that any day of the week.
1: The the lesser of two evils. (laughs) That's right, yeah. So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and wanna learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin crypto academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. Remember, if you had put $100 into Bitcoin in 2010, you would have over $100 million right now. I don't want you to miss out on the coming opportunities offered by Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space. So I brought in the best experts in the game the people that are teaching me and training me and i'm going to share that with you because it's not too late Let's see. Somebody said, you guys in the comments can't have a civil debate. I think I'm missing some huge thing going on here. That's probably good. I'm Again, not yeah, looking at the comments. Yeah, that's probably the
0: best, yeah. When will the Mueller probe end? Oh, never. They're never going to let that thing go. So we, we now know, the, the, you know, the, the, Mueller, the Mueller probe was uh, initiated so that uh, we could find all this awful collusion with Russia that Donald Trump undertook. Now, they never defined what collusion means. We just know there was awful, nefarious collusion. And Donald Trump said, you know, I think that Barack Obama was spying on my campaign last year. Everyone said he was crazy. We now know that the Obama administration was spying on his campaign chairman. Paul Manafort. We also know, because of leaked FBI texts, that during a meeting with, the, with Andy McCabe, head of the FBI, we know that a lead agent at the FBI said, we, we need an insurance policy. Trump probably won't win, but we need an insurance policy in case he does win during a very high level meeting. So it seems to me like the fix was in from the beginning. They wanted to set this guy up, make it very hard for him to either win or to govern. That's what we have now. They're going to get somebody. They've already indicted the former chairman Paul Manafort, they've already indicted former aide Michael Flynn, some other low-level Stafford Papalopoulos, Papalopoulos or something. You know, in the United States, the saying is, in Washington DC, you could indict a ham sandwich. They will get somebody for something. A lot of these are just procedural crimes. So they're crimes that only took place because there was an investigation. They're not right. crimes outside of the investigation. Oh, uh, right, because they ask questions and the questions they ask you, they get you, get you caught. Or? Exactly. So they're going to try to drag this thing out. And uh, there's so much evidence at this point that the Mueller probe was a, a fix from the beginning. Uh, I think that the White House would be in good stead to end the whole thing right now and end the charade. But who knows? They'll, they'll come up with something, and uh, they'll obviously they're going to be able to claim a scalp, and it's a real miscarriage of justice. All right, here's somebody who doesn't like you at all. <laughs>
1: Alma Chaldez says, Michael, she's calling you a rich ass. A oh, rich ass? I think it's the That's cardigan. Of my, it's the cardigan. cardigan. That'll do she it. She said, you know it all. Yeah. You are so out of touch with the reality of life happening in your effing country okay well all right daniel oh, aware yeah. and, and the reason that i'm bringing this up somebody said i'm very disappointed in his choice of guests they were saying that about ben shapiro <laughs> here let me just be <laughs> clear that about me let too. me be, be very clear it's very important just in life that you listen to everybody and then make your own opinion you can't make a good opinion if you don't listen to everybody so whether or not i believe everything like ben Shapiro, i still like to listen to smart people Just how I think, and and smart doesn't mean omnipotent. So everybody in this conversation, me, uh, Ben Shapiro earlier, Michael, I'm sure we've said something incorrect. The question is, how can we get to better information? So somebody said that they think you're a racist.
0: You know, Ann Coulter said to me once, when a liberal calls you a racist, you know you won the argument. Because you would have to ask this person, what have I said that's racist? Yeah. And I bet that person couldn't come up with anything. I bet if we asked around the room, nobody could come up with something that's racist. Right. But they always also because you and I are like a mix of every single race. So you right. know, it's, I don't know if it's kind of hard to be a little racist that they're way. They're not calling me a racist. I guess they're, call, they're calling they're calling you That's all That's because I, I support the president, and they, <laughs> so that's what they do. That's the last refuge of people without an argument. You know, to your you make a great point. It's good, you have to listen to smart people. Barack Obama's a smart person. Yeah. Hillary Clinton's a smart person. But we disagree tremendously about a lot of things. You have to listen to them because I think a lot of people in this country, they don't, especially on the left, I, I, I hate to single out the left for this, but they, I think they're really guilty of it. They don't realize that there's another point of view. Right. They say, we tolerate everything, and then they're shocked to hear there's another point of view. So for the left, in a, in a nutshell, uh, that they have a progressive ideology. You're progressing toward utopia. This is true of virtually across the leftist spectrum. And so, if if progress is so clear, right? If the future is so certain, and the past is always changing, but the future is so certain, then the only reason that you would stand in the way of progress is because you're extremely stupid, or you're wicked, you're evil, you're racist, you have bad intentions. That's what those. So people that's think. how you're saying.
1: That's how people see you. They feel. You're saying there's a group of people in the United States and globally that think they're moving
0: towards progress, and you're in the way. Yeah, and so someone, you know, I've used. Multisyllabic words. So that person probably doesn't think I'm stupid. So then I have to be bigoted or evil or have bad intentions because it's much easier when you don't understand another person's point of view. You have, you just assume the worst. You assume bad intentions. But I, I think that I understand Barack Obama's point of view. I don't think Barack Obama's an evil person. Right. I think he's just wrong. I think he's missing key points. So you think his fundamental
1: worldview. You think he's accurately moving towards a goal that's the wrong goal?
0: It's the wrong goal.
1: And I think his perception of the world, I think he sees the world wrong If you had to give a synopsis, is it the fact that he thinks, for example, big picture, that a centralized
0: government will solve a lot of problems? Is that one of the things you disagree with? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I disagree with most of his policy goals. But the reason I disagree with his policy goals bigger government, uh, major federal programs, higher taxes, less American leadership on the world stage. The reason I disagree with those is I see the world differently than he does. His lens is turned this way, my lens is turned this way. I think I have a better view of it. And there are a lot of what are called first principles that that comes from. What does it mean to be a human? Does God exist? Where does my freedom come from? Where do my rights come from? And depending on your answers to those questions, you're going to come up with different answers for your policy goals. And if you don't realize that there are different answers to those questions, then you're going to call people you disagree with who aren't racist, you're going to call them racist. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I find interesting, some of this,
1: not all of it, is personality types. So if you study the science Mm. of personality types, there's people who are more on the judgmental side. And this is evolutionary psychology. You need that. You need somebody who's a little meaner. Just think about raising a kid. You need one of the parents or somebody, uncle or whatever, to be a little more mean so that when the yeah. kid falls, you look at him and you say to the kid, listen, kid, life's tough. Get used to your scraped knee. Rub some dirt Stand up. Head. But you also need the other side, somebody who shows compassion and and cries with the little kid, or, you know, holds the little kid while he's crying. So I sometimes feel, and I think this is kind of what maybe the founding fathers and what democracy is supposed to be about. It's a sort of check and balance. You, and in some ways me, uh, we are more about personal agency. Like, if you are broke, you need to fix it yourself. <laughs> Go out start a business. You know, you don't need welfare. But there is another place in my brain where I could see it where there are circumstances where lending a helping hand from a central place, doesn't necessarily have to be a federal government, it could be a church, it could be a community. Private charity. Yeah, something could, there's, so, that's why I said, you gotta be, you gotta look, and this is hard for people in the comments, you see, people don't like to do this. It's very hard, okay. Let me switch subjects here. Daniel 73, 889 on Twitter says, was it a fake birth certificate? Well, Obama. <laughs> so this, what's his name? Sheriff Arapaho? Uh, Oropio. Or- Thank you. Yeah. I thought it was Arapaho, yeah. like the Native American tribe. <laughs> so Oropaio, he says he can show you if you meet him. And he was pardoned by Donald Trump. I don't know why he was pardoned because he was never convicted, but
0: yeah, it, it was a, it, that was another a procedure. One quasi- was like, yeah, misdemeanor contempt of right. court or some very mi- mi- relatively minor uh, But is accusation. this guy off base? About, the, you know, the birth certificate never concerned me. I, I understand why people questioned it uh, because Barack Obama's publisher to his first, I believe it was his first book, noted that he was from Kenya. He said that he was born in Kenya, and this was in the the small biography. They then redacted it. I don't know that Obama himself ever approved of that. Obviously, his family's from Kenya. People said that it was racist to say he was born in Kenya. I don't see why that's racist, because a lot of his family is in Kenya. I don't think it's inherently a terrible thing to be born in Kenya or something like that. But I I always thought it was crazy. I always thought that he was born in Hawaii. One of the reasons for this is that even if he had been born in Kenya— he would be a natural-born U.S. citizen. People get this confused all the time. Ted Cruz ran for president last cycle. He was born in Canada. Okay. So how's he going to— Was he born on a military base or something? No. uh, But if if one of your parents is an American citizen— you, upon birth, become an American citizen. So this has been debated by legal scholars for a long time. It's not entirely clear what exactly is meant by natural-born citizen, but it seems uh, fairly likely that even if Barack Obama were born on Jupiter, because his mother was an American citizen, he would have been a natural-born citizen. And I don't think the people of the United States But Trump brought this up at some point. He did. Do you think Trump made a mistake to bring it up? Listen. Was I, it showmanship? Was it yeah. press? Uh, yes. Yes, and yes. I, you know, I used to say a lot of things Trump did were crazy and terrible and counterproductive. I don't know. He's he's had a good run when it comes to media controversies. I think a lot of what he's done, he's been so good at uh, affecting his policy goals, uh, even even legislatively, but certainly from the executive branch. And a lot of the reason he's so successful is that he goes over here and he says, hey, look at this, look at this crazy thing. Right. Barack Obama's born in Kenya. Hey, look over here, look. And then over here, yeah. he's deregulating the government, firing bureaucrats. So I don't, that's fine over here. He, he said- so you don't
1: mind the trickiness? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I never thought it was true. I don't, I don't know that he ever thought it was true. But when he was saying all those things, I remember scratching my head and thinking, why is this the the issue that you're yeah. focused there's so many things to criticize barack obama about why do you care that he was where he was born or you don't think the certificate's real yeah okay so look said, uh, the confetti is strong with this one
1: the confetti is strong <laughs> with michael knowles okay I let's see that stuff. someone say, sylvester says this guy is a great talker somebody <laughs> that, might,
0: that might not be a compliment
1: no no he means it in a good way um the left suffer from massive cognitive biases. That's
0: that's of true. true, yeah.
1: Oh man, these comments! I got to go back and read <laughs> these. Um, talk about how Obama's brother from Kenya, Malik Obama, is one of the biggest Trump supporters because of Obama's negligence with his family ties to Africa. That is from Reptilian Government
0: on <laughs> I YouTube. I wonder what his point of view is. <laughs> you may want to
1: slight if you want to be taken slightly seriously. You may want to not be called reptilian. What? Yeah, it's funny. So you, do are you? I've never seen this so much. People,
0: do they call you racist a lot when you support Trump? They call every Republican racist. That goes without saying. I mean, they did it all the time. There's no basis for it, but I, I don't. I'm not angry with them. They don't understand the argument. They don't understand the premises. It's the same way with abortion. You know, I guess the abortion debate is actually now moving much more pro-life in public opinion, but it used to be the most contentious issue. Right. Why was it so contentious? Because I'm pro-life. I understand why people support abortion. I totally understand it. I used to support abortion. I 100% understand their side of the issue. But I think a lot of people on that side say, you are pro-life because you hate women because you don't want women to have control over their bodies because you are a misogynist or whatever. They don't understand that the question isn't what should women be able to do with their bodies. The question is, what's the thing inside the body? If it's just a clump of cells, that's fine. Wipe it out. If it's a baby or the beginning of a baby or a future human or something, that's a different question. Hillary Clinton always said, I want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. And that doesn't make any sense. Obviously, I guess we want everyone to be safe, But if it's, uh, as the pro-lifers say, if it's similar to murder, morally similar to murder, why would you want it to be legal? If it's not morally similar to murder, if it's just a procedure, why do you care if it's rare? Wouldn't you want it to be abundantly available? Uh, She was trying to have it both ways because Hillary understood both sides of that argument. But when some uh, person who doesn't really understand political points of view, calls me a racist or a sexist or a bigot or a whatever, I think, oh, well, that's okay. You know, I think the, the angrier you get about something, maybe that's evidence that you don't quite understand the issue as much as the guy who doesn't get so angry about it. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's do a little speed around here. I'm going to do, let's do three questions and we're going to wrap up here. Went a little longer, but it was an interesting conversation. Let us see here. There is a lot to choose from. Hmm. All right, real quick. Ziad Al-Turkey looks uh, on YouTube, May uh, says, what do you, what does Michael think about foreign policy, especially on Middle East? Let's talk, since we've gone a little bit controversial already, <laughs> what have we done so far? We've done <laughs> yeah. Abortion <Trump>. now. <laughs> you Trump. brought up abortion. <laughs> we talked, oh boy. I, people are going to be mad at me, but <laughs> thick skin is is today's word of the day. Mm-hmm. What is it on Sesame Street that had like a phrase of the day? So today's <laughs> Thai phrase of the day is, Thick skin, Ty. Thick skin. Okay. Today's show
0: was brought to you by. Yeah. Today's was show skin. was brought skin. to
1: you by the Thick Skin Society. Um, if you had your way, what do you? What is the solution for Israel and Palestine? This is not to have any controversial subject. Yeah, I guess you're right because we checked off every other subject, every other one, <laughs> except for that. I, but this is a, uh, the reason I'm doing this. This is really a people's show. We're streaming live here, and somebody from it sounds like he's from the Middle East has a question, it's a valid question. And you can't hide from hard questions just because people get butt hurt over People get butt hurt over everything nowadays. So let's, let's just talk like sensible humans about it. Obviously there's Palestinians and Israeli people who have very strong opinions. I've never been there, so I'm not an expert on it. So I'm I'm asking other people who have an opinion. What's your opinion?
0: Well, I found out on my DNA test the other day. I found out I'm actually three percent Jewish, which I didn't okay. know. So I, I think, like uh, Brian Cranston on Seinfeld, now I get to make Jewish jokes. I think that's what you comes along with it. T- you
1: might have to have more than three <laughs> yeah, percent.
0: I got to check. I'll check with Ben. But uh, on the question of Israel, the United this is a good example. The United States recently decided, after decades of promising, after decades of saying we're going to do this. They they moved our embassy in Israel to the capital of israel mm-hmm. jerusalem 's the capital of Israel for some reason, for, for security concerns or whatever. we had our, cap, our embassy outside of the capital of israel now we 're moving into the capital. The entire world condemned us for it, not the entire some of our allies voted to not to condemn us. Uh, they condemned us because <laughs> rely upon it. I read the Bible frequently. I have read Genesis many times. There's a recurring theme in U.S. history that people don't like the Jews. This is a okay. recurring theme we read, you see in the Bible, you see it throughout U.S. history. And I, I think that this so is— So do you think it was anti-Semitism yeah. is why they didn't want— I think it's Jew hatred, yeah. I think okay. there are a lot of Muslim-majority countries in the Middle East, virtually all of them. There is one country that is not. There is one country called Israel. And by the way, there's only one really properly thriving and functioning a liberal democracy in the Middle East, and that's also Israel. They're a wonderful ally for the United States. Israel is the homeland of the Jewish people. Uh, the Jewish people have been through a lot. I think that they ought to get one country in the world. And as for Palestine... But what about Palestinians? Because there's a lot of
1: Palestinians... Let's just forget the politics. Let's just go down to the real world. There's little kids. There's mm-hmm. five-year-olds. They don't know what's going on. They're getting blown up, and they're caught in a
0: war between their parents... Where should they go? Well, Where you know, should they live? The, the idea There's an idea now of a Palestinian country, the country of Palestine. This is a very modern invention. Obviously, there's an ancient territory called Palestine that comprises a lot of what is Israel and other countries around that area. But the so-called Palestinian people, what, who would now say they're from the Palestinian state, they come from a lot of Arab countries, countries like Jordan or Lebanon or whatever. <laughs> uh, the, God bless you. God bless you. That's a providential sign. Uh, those... Uh, These people, these poor people, these deeply oppressed people, the the Palestinian people, have uh, been used as a political football because none of the countries wanted to take them in. Now, at every opportunity that the Palestinian people have had the opportunity to forge their own way and to vote in their own elections, they've elected terrorists. They elected Hamas to run their government. That people does not get a state. There are enough failed terrorist states in that region. And uh, Israel, as a, as a shining beacon of hope, as a legitimate state chartered by the United Nations, uh, has a right to exist. Uh, I, I do not favor uh, giving, creating a, a Palestinian state for a people that has elected Hamas as its own government. And I don't think any right-thinking person in the world would, would give a nation to a country that chooses to be governed by terrorists. Okay,
1: that was speed round number one. Alicia Israel says Donald Trump is a despicable example of leadership in the most revered position on the planet. Come on, Ty. Remember, this is a people show. I- I'm going to say this never argue ad hominem. So that basically means never say you're a bad person
0: because you're a bad person, because it doesn't make sense.
1: So you have to say why somebody's bad.
0: Plus, anyway. speaking of the name Israel, you know, the Israelis are so happy with Trump moving the embassy, they're giving him his own train station. I think it's by the Donald Wailing Trump. Wall. So Trump station in Israel. <laughs> that, that's not controversial at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's not, not controversial. We're
1: like literally setting a record for the most controversial phrases in one paragraph. All right. <laughs> uh, what's... From my... Yeah, these are all quick. Oh, you have a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Should, should Ty consider not being apolitical? Should he, so Noel should he Cookman, <laughs> Zach's dad says, should I stop being apolitical and pick a side.
0: You've got to run for office as a Republican. No, no that's no, what we no. got to get you to a, do. That. I can't. You'd be great.
1: Right. What are you talking about? You know what? I swear, I do, I, I like business better than. Can I be the? I, can I be a businessman and yeah. then I contribute some money? Then
0: you're too to sane to be people. a politician. You're clearly <laughs> too sane.
1: I just, feel, I honestly feel like who would want to be the president of the United States? And there's only two reasons you'd want to be president of the United States. One, you have a deep virtuous reason. You want to really help people. And I'm sure there's some presidents uh, who have had that. Then there's another one which you like power and maybe a little mix. So I've, you know, in the last years, I've kind of come into the spotlight. I've been a businessman for since I was 19, but I was more behind the scenes. Being in the spotlight is not as exciting as people think. I mean, yes, sometimes I get into things. Like I go to a club now anywhere in the world I can usually get in the door because somebody will recognize me. But besides that, minor, minor, perk. minor, well, minor, per- perk, it's not you know? that good of a perk because I don't go to clubs that often. You also get to be like every president, whether it's Obama, Trump, Reagan, you get to have half the world, which always includes 40% numb nuts, mad at you, no matter what you do. Yeah. I mean, you could, maybe we'll end with this story and then and you, you said- <laughs> My favorite story, Aesop's Fable, there was a man and his son and they were going to sell their farm goods. They had raised a whole bunch of stuff. So they loaded up their donkey and they headed to town and the the son was riding the donkey and the father was next by. And some people walked by and whispered, look at that disrespectful son. He makes his old father walk while he rides. So the son felt bad and he got off the donkey and put the dad on and then they were going further and some people whispered, look at that dad. You know, makes his son walk while he rides. Who does he think he is? Just because he's the powerful father. So the father feels bad. So he, he gets off the donkey. Some, they will go further. People walk by and they overhear him whispering, what kind of idiot? The two people got a donkey and they don't even ride it. So the father and the son go, okay. They get on top of the donkey. Both of them, they're riding. Some people walk by. They overhear him saying, Animal abuse, PETA, (laughs) this poor donkey. So finally they arrive at the city and there's a bridge and the father and the son are carrying the donkey over the bridge and it's so heavy they trip and fall and they plunge over the bridge and drown in the river. And the moral of the story is you can't please all the people all the damn time. That is a political lesson. Yeah, you have to be (laughs) Donald Trump or Hillary or Obama. You have to be somebody who says... I'm doing this and I will tell you, I honestly, my opinion, I don't approve of everything Donald Trump does, but I don't disagree with everything. One of the things Donald Trump does well, and there's other presidents that did this. Well, I think Obama did this. They do stand by their principles through Mm. hell or high water. Mm. Obama did it. He took a lot of flack for some of the things and you have to have a level of respect for somebody who does that. So that's my closing diatribe to give you, I don't want to take all the time. Um, Last thing, mm. magic wand. Yeah. You're the president of the United States mm-hmm. right now. What are, what's the number one thing you're doing when you're in office that you'll be remembered for doing?
0: So I, I would be thrilled if by the end of the first year, my administration had accomplished exactly what Donald Trump accomplished. And I would add one thing, I would add entitlement reform. This is not the sexiest topic to close on, it's not the most controversial topic, but the the big driver of our debt, the, the basically the, the chief driver of our debt, is Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. That, you know, throw granny off a cliff. Those entitlement programs, you're gonna get them, we all pay into them. Donald Trump did a great job reforming the tax code, attracting businesses back to the United States it might hurt the What would you do to entitlement would you cut it even more i would i would ref, i would have to reform entitlements you have to clearly lower the age for younger generations not the generations about to get it but for younger generations you have to lower the age you have to tweak the system because our current regimes our current uh, entitlement regimes yeah. were constructed for people who weren't going to live nearly as long as they yeah. are now and for a generation that wasn't nearly as bloated as the baby boomer generation that's retiring now we're headed off of a fiscal cliff if we have uh one hundred percent or greater debt to GDP ratio. It is going to be a serious drag on our economy, and I want to make sure that I get reelected in three years. So while I would reform those entitlements. I get it taken care of now. The economy would soar, and it would put the United States on sound. So fiscal are you footing. are
1: you cutting healthcare? Is a huge two two big things you hear people talking about. Military, are you cutting it or keeping it where it is or spending more?
0: I'm, I, well, look, there's bloat in every department. Even President Trump cut the Defense Department by 1.1% this year. There's bloat in any bureaucracy. But the, the purpose of the federal government is to keep us safe from threats. So I, I'm that isn't where I would pull. Obviously, a defense does not take up even a fraction of what uh, entitlement programs take up as a percentage what about of the Obama federal budget. What about Let's
1: say let, we had a bonus thing. Because people, Zach said, people were talking about healthcare. Do you say, forget Obamacare? You burn it and oh, yeah. to the ground, and you 100%. say, get your own
0: insurance? You know, well, look, there's always been a safety net. We've always we we for a very long time we've had Medicaid yes. and Medicare for people yes. who are very poor and for people who are older yes. Uh, we have. Uh, Do you keep that? medicaid and oh, medicare yeah you have you have to reform these programs but absolutely you keep the, that social safety net you need it so in you're a, okay you're not a like
1: joel salatin my mentor is a pure libertarian he's like <laughs> No Medicaid, no, no Medicare, Medicare no out. Department of yeah. Transportation, no Department of, yeah, well, well, maybe okay. transportation, no Get Department education of Education, of the, oh, the yeah. energy
0: that's gone, it totally. Yeah, Department of yeah. Agriculture. So you're kind of that way, but, but you, maybe a little the, more. The trouble with Obamacare is Obamacare took a, a system that was a little tough, but still the greatest health system in the history of the world, certainly on planet Earth right now, and he... He did something anti-constitutional, even though the courts let it go through, which is he forced Americans to buy a product from a private company. That's the individual mandate. Luckily, Donald Trump already defunded that. He already repealed that in the tax bill. That's gone. It's gonna increase the debt spiral. He promised us we could keep our, Barack Obama promised we could keep our own doctor. Wasn't true. He promised us that costs would go down. They didn't go down. Actually, the rate of increase increased. So he took a bad system and made it much, much worse. The the answer to healthcare is to increase competition, to sell insurance across state lines, to uh, to deregulate this uh, difficult sector, and not force people to buy crazy expensive plans. I don't need pregnancy coverage. I, I listen. Unless something dramatically changes in my life, <laughs> I am not going to need. Pregnancy coverage, and I think if you deregulate that and you increase the competition, just as when we do it in virtually every aspect of the economy, uh, the costs would decrease and the availability would increase. And then we'd get something closer to universal health care. I like it. Michael, time man great people to be. Here.
1: love this talk.
0: Where can they find you? What's so, the best place? Check me out on Twitter. That's Michael J. Knowles. That's like Beyonce, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, Michael J. Knowles. You can check out the show, The Michael Knowles Show at The Daily Wire. That's on Facebook, YouTube. It's also on the TheDailyWire.com. Uh, Michael Knowles Show, Monday What's your through book Thursday. And the book that you got to go get. This is going to change you your reading. life. You can. Sp- this, is, this is one <laughs> book. I, you know, I'm not like you. I can't read a book a day, but I can read this book a day. This is uh, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a comprehensive guide. It has no words. in not it, by the way.
1: So those of you want to say you read a book a day, I should start putting out books like this. You just and keep be reading like, that one. I've trained thousands <laughs> yeah. to read a book a day, yeah. and a, a presidentially
0: it. endorsed book too. That's a that's a that real political tool. I like that.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. Someone said, "I bite for tie." <laughs> I don't even. I'm not even to know, know near what that, that nope. means. I think no they're way. saying they'd fight for tie, but mm-hmm. they were.
0: Auto-correct. Yeah, Freudian slip. All right, talk to you soon.